Support for WVIK comes from Kathleen Collins at the Dragonfly in Bettendorf. Using both conventional and alternative counseling methods for empowerment to help create change for individuals and couples. More information is at KathleenCollinsCounseling.com. You're listening to These Interesting Times, Surviving 2020 in the Quad Cities, a literary anthology edited by Misty Urban and published by the Midwest Writing Center Press in Rock Island, Illinois. Hi, my name is Kendra Thompson. I will be reading Blanched Vegetables and Two Sonnets. These will appear in These Interesting Times, an anthology which will be published by the Midwest Writing Center Press. Blanched Vegetables. In the summer, I became fixated on blanching vegetables. I blanched carrots, green beans, broccoli. I liked it because it was a bit of an art. Scrubbing, cutting, boiling, ice bathing, sauteing. That's some serious love for a piece of produce. I did other things in the spring and summer that I'm missing now. I sat at our dining room table and colored with our children. We gathered up all the broken crayons, peeled them, and melted them into crayon pucks in our muffin pan. I cleared drawers and cabinets. We made up games and, oh yeah, I wrote a poem nearly every day. It saddens me that my life doesn't look like that anymore. In August, it was suggested that we return to work in our building in the hopes that it would build morale. It has, on some level, brought us back together, I guess. But the energy I've sensed from my workplace is that it has two modes of operation, 90 miles an hour or full stop. It's hard not to get swept up in the energy of a place. When I'm in my parents' house, I tend to start acting like a kid. My younger sister and I bust out ridiculous antics. I grow nostalgic and want to listen to all the music of my youth. When I walk through the doors of the homes of my in-laws, I feel a thrill of anxiety. Are they going to like me when they meet me? Of course. This is an absurd question, since they've been meeting me and have known me since 2001. I would not call the pandemic shutdown good, because that quickly becomes problematic. But I do vividly recall when the message came from the kids' school that we would be going into distance mode, and when work from home seemed the best way forward at the church where I worked. I remember because we woke up the next day and we didn't go anywhere. We were all in our home and reliant on the company of one another. It was a beautiful time, I'm embarrassed to say. I say embarrassed because I know how privileged I am. For others, I'm sure it was devastating. Medical workers, fast food workers, retail industries, small businesses. Their narrative, I'm sure, was not as restful as my own. But what I remember is that we gathered around the table for everything. We ate meals together. We did schoolwork. We read the Bible. We Zoomed with classmates. One afternoon when I gave the children the option of a nap or quiet time, my son Joe said, oh, can I sit here and draw ships? In some ways, that mid-March pause was magical. Just before then, I had been working two jobs and also trying to work on some manuscripts for publication. I spent way too much time in the car. I was often describing to my peers at work that I felt like a ping pong ball, bouncing from one location in the Quad Cities to the next. Fast forward to now. Ugh. I must admit it looks very differently. I am still working two jobs, but I am also homeschooling my four and six-year-old. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I race the clock to connect, create, and digitally produce spiritually nourishing programming for children and families. 
On Tuesday and Wednesday mornings, long before any of my family is awake, I work on marketing and communication tasks for the children's school, which we pray they will return to very soon. On Monday and Wednesday evenings, I hurriedly sketch out lesson plans for the day to come, preparing myself to switch hats and become my children's school teacher. I've watched my husband watch me as I scamper from one room of the house to another, from one task to another, and he's often wishing I'd just sit down beside him and watch a dumb television show. I wish that was more alluring. Somewhere along the way, whether it was amidst pandemic or likely before, I fell in love with busyness. How lame is that? The tasks became my lover, and the tasks in and of themselves are lifeless and cruel. I'm glad that we're figuring out some ways to navigate this global pandemic. We know how to be around each other safely, masked and distanced. I'm glad we aren't so scared anymore that we're all just locked up at home, sanitizing everything. But I have a guilty confession to share. I miss mid-March sometimes. I miss the imposed guidelines, the forced lockdown. It forced us for a time to evaluate our values, to pause and be still with one another. I wish we knew how to do that without a rule. Another thing I discovered during quarantine was the poet-priest Malcolm Geit and his lovely practice of writing sonnets and other forms during this crazy time. Geit wrote a sonnet or quatrains nearly every day of quarantine. You can find them on his blog in both written and audio files. I had forgotten about the Shakespearean sonnet. I studied them in college when I was an English major with a creative writing emphasis at the University of Utah. Since I was growing so fond of Geit's work, I decided to try my hand at sonnets too. Guess what? I love them. I started writing sonnets every day too. I wrote sonnets about lilacs, sonnets about coffee mugs, and sonnets about mountains, and sonnets about prayer. I think I liked sonnets for this season because the coronavirus is a bit like a sonnet, or at least the way we have responded to it is. It has very specific rules to keep you safe. It doesn't take everything away but some things are off limits. There's no doubt that the American landscape is full of options, too many of them. Everything from ketchup brands to advanced degrees. The sky is the limit. We've praised this as freedom, but sometimes I think it might be tyranny. Sometimes I'd love to walk into the grocery store and instead of finding 20 options on the shelf, there's just one glass bottle that says fancy ketchup. The sonnet is kind of like that. It doesn't say, write whatever you want. The sonnet says, pour out your heart, but pour it into this container. 14 lines, iambic pentameter, with the following rhyme scheme. A, B, A, B, C, D, C, D, E, F, E, F, G, G. I was clearly doing too much before the pandemic struck. I always thought I was just a mom who worked a little, but let's not kid ourselves. I had begun jam packing my days from sun up to sundown. My kids got used to shouting at me just to break the trance between myself and my smartphone. Then the pandemic hit, and it gave us a gift, but it had restrictions. You can be together, but maybe stay home a while. You can get your groceries, but maybe just order them. You can see your friends, but outside might be best for now. That was our form, and in it, like some of the most beautiful Shakespearean poems, we thrived. Lately, I have not been blanching vegetables. Truth be told, I hardly eat vegetables anymore. What is more often in my hand than a carrot about to be peeled is a coffee mug or a giant Mountain Dew cup, a Taco Bell taco, or a stupid cheeseburger from McDonald's. Restrictions have been lifted, at least somewhat, and with them, freedom. But there's a freedom I'm missing lately, and that's the one we derive from restriction. I can't help but pine for our experiences earlier this year, in summer and spring. I smile as I remember paper crafts at the table, 
ship drawings and dress-up games. And likewise, I also miss scooping up a bundle of blanched green beans, tenderly watching them balance on my slotted spoon before I plunge them into an ice bath. Two sonnets. The first one is Costly Nard, a poem for pretty things in Ascension Tide. Trimming leaves from lilac stems, world purple blossoms descend in boxy glass. Amply their perfume pours like incense swirls, covering odors of dishes and trash. I'm reminded of the good Lord's last days in sundry company and earthly form, judging a puzzled glare from Judas's gaze, who questions Jesus' love for the forlorn. Heavy with grief, troubled Mary sweeps, the dust of foot with broom of hair. The blame falls flat on sincere tears she weeps, as she continues to anoint our Christ with care. Jesus said, you shall always have the poor, steadfast Eileen, love lilac even more. Somewhere along I-35. If I hear that song again, I'll do it. Hire a fool if fond of discounted wine. To decorate like he's prone to do it, with bar height stools and helpful neon signs. We're driving and I've asked him to take note and help me with these clever roadside words. Like spam museums advertising boasts and boot clothier with shady title verb. But perhaps my favorite billboard so far is flashy one that promises live craps. I guess it means that you can gamble there. Not that fresh excrement remains here trapped. Poems done, but I forgot to tell you. Here's where to start your statuary zoo. Thank you for listening to These Interesting Times. This audio presentation is made possible by a partnership between WVIK, Quad Cities NPR, and the Midwest Writing Center in Rock Island, Illinois. Support for this project comes from the Illinois State Library.